I want to open up this morning with Matthew 6, verse 9. I love this verse. This is part of the Lord's Prayer. It says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Would you say earth? As it is in heaven. Would you say heaven? Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth. As it is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we worship you today. We thank you for this day. We just rejoice in your blessing. We rejoice in who you are today. And we ask God, would you open up our hearts really wide open for your word? Speak to each one of our hearts, God. Have your way. Speak into our ears, Jesus. We thank you for your word. Lord, I pray for just the leading and the empowerment of your spirit. God, to share what's in your heart today. Thank you for your word. We love you. We just agree, Lord, that today we're just going to walk out of here encouraged and strengthened. You're a good God with a good word for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Like the last couple weeks, I'm going to do a little bit of Bible teaching before I do some Bible preaching. Uh, Today, uh, this message in this kind of series that we're doing about how things work, we're going to talk about the reality of things. We're going to talk about the, the fact that there is a natural realm and that there is a realm of the spirit and what that really means to our lives as we're walking day to day in this natural world. I want to go into the Old Testament and pull out just a few scriptures today, um, some Old Testament scriptures and some New Testament scriptures that talk about the reality of this spiritual realm, if you will. Uh, one of the cool, cool ones is in Gen- excuse me, Genesis 28. Um, Jacob is has a significant revelation of the reality of the spiritual realm. He goes to sleep one night, basically, and this is what happens in Genesis twenty eight twelve. It says he had a dream and he saw a stairway resting on earth. Now, some of y'all are thinking about a song right now. I just want you to know that that came out of Genesis, right? Give some Bible props. I think it might add a different implication. Anyhow, he saw a stairway resting on earth, which reached the top of heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, the God of Isaac. And I will give you the descendants of the land which you are lying. It's a pretty cool dream. I don't know about y'all. Abigail was telling me about a dream she had the other night. She said in the middle of her dream, she had a commercial. (laughs) I have never heard of someone having a commercial in their dream. I told her if she would pay a higher subscription fee, they'd cut that out. (laughs) But but she's she's having excuse me. Jacob's having this dream. Can you imagine, though, like y'all know the difference between a pizza dream and a God dream? A pizza dream doesn't make sense. It's like your digestion is giving you a dream that night. It's like, what did I eat? And all of these things, it's like this collage. Nothing makes sense, you know. But then there are the God dreams, the dreams where you see something and you realize that God is showing you something that is a spiritual reality. And that's what's happening to Jacob. Jacob is realizing that this heavenly realm interacts with this realm here on earth. Now, y'all, we... We don't see this every day because we see with a natural eye, right? 
And so we see the natural, and that's where we're headed today, is the reality of this spiritual realm and how tangible it is. And he gets this revelation that these angels, these ministers of God, are ascending and descending. If you've ever done a a word study or a Bible study on on angels, it says in Hebrews that uh, we, that people, are made a little lower than the angels. And so, y'all, these angels are boss. They are strong. They are mighty. And they are powerful. And, you know, I've heard some stories over the years where people have had interactions and they say, you know what? And then they were gone. It was like it didn't make any sense. And they go, I don't even know if that actually was a person or if that might have been an angel of the Lord there for me. But I don't know about you, but it comforts me to know that there is this realm and that God has a workforce that is bringing uh, his will, if you will, down here on on earth. There's another encounter in 2 Kings where Elijah, Elijah is the guy who was after Elijah in the Old Testament. He's a, he's a prophet. And um, in a crucial time in his life, he had this amazing encounter. There was this king, the king of Aram, who was trying to send these raiding parties into Israel to, uh, to try to take land from the Israelites. And each time he would go to send a raiding party or send his army in, the word of the Lord would come prophetically to Elijah. And Elijah would tell the king, he would say, listen, their army is going to be in such and such place at such and such time. And time and time again, the king of Aram's uh, plans were foiled. So he's like, what is up? What's going on here? And uh, his counselors tell him, it's the prophet Elijah. Every time you send him, the Lord tells him, and he's foiling your plans. They said, well, we need to take out Elijah. He's smart. We need to take him out so that we can take them out. So he sends his army to the city that Elijah is in. And this is what it says. He surrounded the city with chariots. And it says in Second Kings 6.15, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, this is Elijah's servant, An army of horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are against us. Now, I want you to picture this, right? He gets up. He's probably got his coffee in his hand. The servant goes outside probably to get the newspaper because they still had newspapers back then. They didn't look on their phone. He goes out. I am kidding. He goes out in the morning. And he sees the city is surrounded by an enemy army. And, you know, he has that uh-oh moment. Goes in and tells the prophet, uh, we got a problem. And the prophet says, There's, those who are for us are more than those who are against us. Now, we often just kind of read to the next verse, but can you imagine what this guy is thinking, the servant of Elijah? He's probably thinking, Elijah, come on, man, wake up. I know it's early. But I'm telling you, this city is surrounded, and I've counted, and I quickly got uh, to a number much higher than me and you. And then it says in verse 17, And Elijah prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked. And he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire around Elijah. Isn't that amazing? Elijah saw basically this angelic army that had surrounded the city. And then, 
instead of just having them take him out, Elijah prays. The army is blinded, and he leads them. He says, come on, who you're looking for isn't here. And it's like biblical lying. And he just walks them out of the city, and he takes them to another city that's fortified, and, and, uh, and it says, okay, now their eyes are open, and instead of killing them, he sends them back and says, don't come back again. What a glorious victory. Now, y'all, there are times in your life where you feel surrounded by life. You feel like everything is coming against you. And that's one of the reasons that it's such a great gift to have prayer and to say, God, show me what you see. I feel absolutely surrounded. I feel like things are not going my way, and I I feel like my my doom is upon me. And we need to say, Lord, show me what you see, because this is what I see. See, the the reality of the spiritual realm is something that God can open up our eyes to. And I I want you to to know this morning, I'm not saying that you need to make stuff up. I'm not I'm not saying you just got to declare declare that things, you know, around you like that. You see something that you don't see. This is a revelation in your spirit where you agree with the Lord and you go, what? You know what? God is for me. Who can be against me? Right. It's a revelation that you speak and agree with the Lord. It It is not just making stuff up. And Elijah said he had a confidence, even though he was surrounded, because he knew what the Lord had provided and could see it. Wouldn't you like to be able to see some of those things in your life rather than what you see? In the book of Revelations, um, we get these glimpses. I, I don't know. If you, if you haven't read the book of Revelations, it's a great one. It will humble you because you will read it and go, I, I don't quite understand. And if, if that is your response, you're honest. If you say you understand everything in the book of Revelations, we're just going to cast that lying thing out of you. Not that it's not, there's a lot that we can't understand. Obviously, God wants to give us revelation. Don't get me wrong. But Revelation's got some stuff. I mean, it's got some, it's got some stuff. But I love these pictures of heaven because it helps you realize that our God's creativity that we have here on the earth, uh, he didn't use it all here. He, he's got some despair. He's got even more. Because when you look up into heaven and you, you see some of the stuff in there, you're like, man, heaven is, it is a wild place. Like beings just flying around with like six wings and faces, like multiple faces. Y'all, multiple faces freak me out. <laughs> it's a bird. It's a plane. Like, that's, but it's kind of exciting. Revelations 4, 6 says this also in front of the throne was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In a center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in the front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. See, I wasn't making that up. And was covered with eyes all around and under its wings day and night. They never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Can you feel like the gravity of that? The gloriousness of it? Now, y'all, you need to know this. Like, you go to work early. You know, maybe you're an early person Monday morning, 7 a.m. You're there and you're like, the coffee has not kicked in. And you, you are feeling the natural, like for some of us, we realize that getting up is a slower process than it used to be. What is up with that? Right? And things are just different. And you, you, rea- you recognize the reality of things 
But you know what? This is absolutely real. The reality of this spiritual realm, of this unseen. And you know, it can really affect the way that you live in a natural world. You know, this, this natural world, well, I'm telling you about this spiritual realm and this, this spiritual reality. The natural realm is absolutely real. Y'all, gravity is the real deal. Thinking about aging again. Anyhow, <laughs> sowing and reaping is the real deal. You reap what you sow in the natural and in principle and all those types of things. Susan right now, she keeps giving away pies and now she's got more pies than she knows what to do with. And she's got to slow down the pie giving because she's got too many pies in her house. And she's just saying, I just keep reaping pies because I keep giving pies. And I know who she's giving them to. (laughs) (laughs) Then you have laws like, you know, Newton's law of motion and. You know, these are things that are studied out, right, where like every object in motion will remain in that state of motion until an external force acts upon it. What's neat about that is is that was a discovered truth. And the reality is this natural world around us has natural laws that govern it. Guess who wrote those laws? Guess who created those laws? I think it's amazing how God gives us this sense of wonderment and discovery where like we want to figure out like how does solar work and how does how does flight work and all of these kinds of things. These are things that God's already figured out. It makes you wonder, so what is the character of God? Is the character of God one where he goes, I'm just gonna keep secrets from you and I'm just gonna kind of elude you and keep you in the dark? Or is it one where he is including us and wants us to have that sense of wonder and discovery and creativity so that we can join him in it? And every time we, we find a cure to something, every time we figure out how to fly 100 feet or 200 feet or around the world or to the moon, the Lord goes, he's like, yeah, good job. But he ain't impressed. He ain't impressed. But he's for us. I I love the fact that he gives us those capabilities and wants us to work in that realm. And there's more things to figure out, more laws of physics, quantum physics, these kinds of things that we're curious about that God already knows the answers to. And people are he's going to give people insight and wisdom about it. Our glorious and amazing God. And the thing is, is this natural reality and this spiritual reality They're both so real. Some of us, and a handful of us, we can be so spiritually minded that we forget that gravity really works. Right? Some of us are so in tuned with gravity, we can't see that there are more for us than those against us. And I'm not, I have a pet peeve. I'm going to share it with you. I don't like the word balance. Because I think balance is typically a word that's stuck in there for mediocre. You know, it's kind of like, well, let's just be mediocre. We'll be middle of the road. I, I think that's lame. If you disagree with me, it's totally cool. I don't mind it. You're allowed to be wrong. Um, <laughs> just play. Um, I like, let's, let's have the fullness of all the truth. 
rather than the balance of it. Like, I want the fullness of the realm of this reality in this world that works because I don't mind it. I think God created it. I'm for it. I want to explore it. I understand it. But I also appreciate a supernatural God who rules over the natural and a supernatural God who there are things that I can't see, but I do believe. And that's how faith works. Because you see, faith sees things that we don't see with our natural eye. The guy who's talking to you right now used to be an atheist, and I used to not believe in any of that kind of stuff, and thought it was just a bunch of made-up stuff and I, you know, on this quest. And so I would only believe in the natural. I remember once somebody said, what do you think happens when you die? And I went, I think that's what happens when you die. I remember it to this day. Like I had an answer. I was so full of myself. But you know that the reality of the spiritual realm will not change. The question is, will we seek to understand it? And I don't mean make stuff up, but seek God to understand it and to see it. I remember my grandfather on my mother's side when I was, I think in my 20s, uh, I was trying to share Jesus with him, wanted to make sure that he was ready to, to go to heaven, ready to, to, to face the Lord. And, and I, I knew that he was likely pretty far from God. And so I had this conversation with him. And I, I said, Grandpa, um, I'd like, we were, excuse me, we were sitting in the car and, you know, how us men like to talk. You know, we're, we're less comfortable oftentimes with this right here. Am I right? Uh-huh, yeah, that's right. We... Us men, we relish this right here, right? We're just like chumming it, right? It's like golf carts are great. They put you side to side, right? Like, man, that was a bad shot. Um, I was talking to Grandpa in the car. He's shoulder to shoulder, and I said to him, Grandpa, I said, you know, I'd like to talk to you about God a little bit and because I, I really, you know, well, he knew, you know, my beliefs and that kind of thing. I said, I, I just want to make sure that, you know, you're ready. When this life ends and that kind of thing. And he, he said to me, he said, I don't really understand those things. And I don't talk about stuff I don't understand. And that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> I was shut down by Grandpa. What was wild was um, my son Andrew, he must have been six years old at the time. He got this burden to start praying for my grandfather. And every night for about a year he was praying for Grandpa and Long story short, I was going to take a trip, and the Lord told me, on your trip, I want you to go visit your grandfather. I said, but Lord, I'm going to Atlanta. He said, yeah, but then you're going to go to Erie, Pennsylvania. And so I went to Erie, Pennsylvania, and I was with him for a couple of nights, and I remember sitting right in, in the living room. Grandpa was watching Lifetime movies, and I just remember, going, Jesus, he needs you now. Like, he needs you right now. Grandma had passed away, and, you know, he went from all the Westerns to Lifetime. I was like... The end is near, Lord. <laughs> Poor Grandpa. We're sitting there watching movies together, and um, I'm just praying the whole time, like, Lord, his eyes have got to be open. He needs to see this before he comes to the end of his life. And we're sitting there, and uh, the Holy Spirit just visited the room, and I said, Grandpa, I want to make sure that you're ready. And we had about a five-minute conversation, and he agreed with me in prayer and made Jesus his Lord. And he didn't understand those things, but the reality of those things came to him in his life, and he received Jesus just like that. And the Lord prepared his heart. And it was a, it was a beautiful 
moment. This past week, uh, me and Linda and Renee went to go uh, visit somebody who's been, um, she's 79 years old, and she has been um, uh, disabled since December, and she's lost her, her boyfriend of 15 years. I guess at 79, like, you don't always have to, you can just, you know, have a boyfriend, and, you know. It's more convenient that way. They had their own houses and all that kind of stuff. I make light, but her boyfriend passed away. It was very sad for her, and she was out of work, and all of these things happened. And, and you know, that morning when we were uh, before we left, the Lord spoke to my heart, and he says, you need to ask her if, if she has received me as her Savior, and you need to ask her the question. I remember my first thought was like, Lord, that lady has asked me to pray for her a hundred times. Like every time I see her, I'll offer her to pray, and she says, yes, pray for me. She goes, she, she'll receive prayer, and she believes in me, but she hasn't received me. And so we're sitting there, me, Linda, and Renee, and we're hanging out. And uh, sure enough, I just asked her the question, and I said, would you like to receive Jesus today? And she said, yes, I would. And me and Linda and Renee, we're just trying to contain ourselves (laughs) as we sit there and pray. But see, the, the reality of things opened up in her heart and mind, and she was ready to receive Jesus. And God has given us this natural realm, but he also has a realm in the spirit that is very real. That is very real. I love that your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So the implications, as I go into these implications of this spiritual realm, I want you to know, I really believe God wants us to live in the reality of both realms. You know, you look at like someone like the Apostle Paul, and it was, you know, he was a tent maker, and he did amazing things in the realm of the Spirit. There's this both about our lives that is supposed to uh, synthesize together in a really beautiful way. But here's the thing. The realities of God's kingdom and the reality of the spirit realm can impose itself on the natural realm. That is called... The supernatural. Where things happen in the realm of the natural that break the very rules that he created. But when you create the rules, you can break the rules. And you can heal people that aren't supposed to live. You can do the supernatural. And so some of these principles, one of the first ones is that we need in our lives to think in terms of God. I want your will as it is in heaven to be done here on earth. Y'all, when the disciples said Jesus teaches how to pray, this was part of the pattern of how to pray. Pray in this pattern. It doesn't mean just recite the words, but the concept, the principle of God, what your will is in heaven, bring it here on earth. And that's the way that we, we know what God's will is and we know what God's heart is. We know that God wants to save people. And there's plenty of scripture that says he wants everyone to come to this saving knowledge of him. He likes to heal people. He's really into healing people people emotionally physically spiritually and so that means that we bring in these promises that god has from the 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 realm of the supernatural or the realm of the spirit into the natural we say god we know your character and we know who you are and you've created this amazing beautiful world i was talking with andrew this past week and we're talking about how it's amazing how how organized 
and beautiful and complex the world is, and it's broken. This is the broken version of the world because of sin. And it's amazing. And this concept of bringing God's will forward, you even see it in Genesis because when he places Adam and Eve in the garden, his, 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 um, his encouragement to them is, I want you to go out and take dominion of his earth. I want you to take what you see here, and I want you to make it out there. This idea of bringing his will to pass. You are a carrier of the will of God. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Sometimes we're waiting for the will of God. And there are many times where God wants us to carry the will of God and carry it into this natural world. And that's, see, that's what happens where we see things in life, but in our minds, in our hearts, we have a, well, yeah, but. Yeah, everything is messed up. Everything is coming to a close. Everything, this is terrible. Yeah, but. Yeah, but God. Yeah, but that is all the natural experience. That is all the natural things. And I believe they're very, very real. But I also believe and I know that there's a supernatural God who can do amazing things. And that's why Hebrews 11, 1 says this. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Isn't that amazing? You see, I see this chair. But I also see the heart of God and the reality of his will and who he is. And those are your eyes of faith. It sees these things that aren't tangible, but you know are real. I think another implication for us is that in our daily lives, in our natural lives, we should live it with, in the context of eternity. Um, meaning that we need to be ready ourselves because at the end of the at the end of this y'all this is not the end because you were created to be eternal you were created to be forever your soul will continue on and that has implications right and a lot of times we think of those implications as just how we live but the very first implication is who you know you've got to receive jesus because the only way for your sins to be paid for without you paying for them for yourself is to ask Jesus to pay for your sin and to follow after him. Like that's the simple gospel, as simple as it gets, is follow Christ. Once you have that account settled, then you think of, okay, someday I'm going to talk to the Lord about this life that I've lived. I left that apart. It's so important that we ask Jesus to pay for our sin because left to ourselves, eternity is hell, and that is terrible. It is apart from God, and it's paying for your own sin. You don't want to do that. You don't desire to do that. The only way that you're going to do that is if you want to run from God rather than run to him and receive what Jesus has for you. And I just want to encourage you. He loves you, and he cares for you, but he ain't going to make you because that's not a relationship. When you have that settled with the Lord and you say, you know what, I, I want to, I, I receive what you've done, and I want to follow after you, you have this concept of, I need to answer for how I steward this life and and how I live in context of eternity. And the Bible talks about good works. I'm so glad that we had the last couple weeks where we talked about grace, 
to kind of set that pillar in. We talked about obedience. We put that pillar in, but we talked about how those two things don't really mix well together, right? Because if you think just your doing will save you, that's not how it works whatsoever. But we will see the Lord and say, God, this is, this is how I lived in light of knowing I was coming here. It, it has huge impacts on our relationships, Huge impact. I love scriptures like Romans twelve seventeen. It says, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, y'all, sometimes, and I'm not going to preach this sermon today, sometimes living at peace means you've got to have some conflict. Living at peace doesn't mean you avoid all conflict. It means that you've got to be willing to have the conflict but you're determined and you've predisposed and made a decision. I'm going to love regardless of conflict. And I'm not going to hide things, and then I'm going to love. I want to preach that other sermon, but I'm not. Verse, the fourth thing is you've got to live knowing that you're not alone. I love how Elijah said, listen, oh Lord, open up his eyes so he can see. We're not alone. You are first not alone because the Lord makes this promise I will never leave you nor forsake you. And this is where the, the, the coming together of the natural and the spiritual means so much. It does not matter how alone you feel in the natural. You can feel like the loneliest person. You can feel uh, like uh, you don't matter. You can feel a lot of things. God will never leave you. You're never actually alone. No matter what you face, you're not alone. No matter who's against you, you're not alone. No matter what's going on in your life, you are not alone. And the thing for some of us, that's such an encouragement because we know that he cares for us. For some of us, we may wonder, is that a good thing? I'm telling you it's a good thing. Because his care for your soul hasn't changed it won't change. He desires good for you, and he loves you, and he gave his son up for you. His love for you is set and so real. I love that Elijah's revelation of this was so great. Not only did he know that God was with him, he could see who God had sent for him. And he's like, y'all, that's, that's amazing faith and trust right there. When you can look at a real army that's surrounding you and you can see a spiritual army and go, that is just as real and I'm just as safe. And to have the character to not see them whoop up on them. Y'all, a lot of y'all are like me. You read that story and you're like, go, do it, get them. You know what I'm talking about? Elijah just like, make them all blind. Come on, guys, let's go. I'll help you find what you're looking for. I mean, he is nicer than me, a lot nicer than me. Would you all stand with me this morning?